0: hey folks it's the uh, stars of the front row he's keith kj over here i'm tom We use the term stars very loosely, but we do want to thank uh, our sponsor from Seminole Boosters, the uh, Dunlap Champions Club, who uh, enables us to bring this podcast to you commercial-free. Hopefully a lot of you sampled uh, the Champions Club last week during the spring game. I hope you did. Uh,
1: 3,300, 3,400 folks were in there, and uh, hopefully some of you were there and decided, hey, this is a place I could watch a football game from.
0: Speaking of that, uh, Champions Club seating is available for football season. You can enjoy the club year-round with special events like the upcoming uh, draft party, which is uh, April 27th. I think Mean Gene is uh, involved in those festivities that night. Uh, Then you have Doke After Dark, which is two days later, Blake Shelton, Jake Owen. Uh, Side note, not that this is a reason to go to the Dunlap Champions Club, but uh, my, uh, my wife and I will be there. Okay, good to know. You won't be singing, though. No, we won't be singing, and then nobody would come. Visit fsuclubseats.com to learn more about your seating options and schedule a private tour. With that said, here's this week's Front Row.
2: Broadcasting live from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in the capital city of Tallahassee, this is the Front Row with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener. Online at ctf.nu. Here's Tom and Keith.
0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to your FSU Baseball Therapy Session. Tom Block, Keith Jones with you. How are you, KJ? And how does that make you feel? It's tough. <laughs> it's been a rough year. I, I,
1: obviously, we've never, at least in 11's time, experienced anything like this. I'm sure we, sometime in 1951, they went through a bad patch.
0: But golly, that's one word for it. We will uh, talk baseball here momentarily. Tim Lunefeld, our Seminoles.com insider, will join us. We'll wrap up on spring football. The head coach of the number 1 women's softball program in the country, Lonnie Alameda, will join us later in the That's show. a positive. And this is the front row. So all that said, obviously last night a 10-7 loss to Florida gives the Gators almost a
2: 10-9. Almost 10-9. Almost 10-9. It
0: was almost 10-9. Of course, if you're going to play that game, it probably almost was you know 14-5 to too. I don't want to play that game. By the way, you'll be happy to know I was doing the uh, TV slash internet slash web slash ACC Network Extra broadcast last night, whatever you call it, and I called Chip Keith at least once during the broadcast, so I will try not to call you Chip during the show today. Good job, Colonel. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) You know, there's a lot of big picture conversation we can have, and I I don't know that we need to have this right now because that conversation will come and we'll let the season play out, but the one thing I did say, as soon as I finished that broadcast last night, uh, I turned to Chip and I said and this was before Mike Martin's post-game press conference, I said, Drew Carlton's got to be back in the starting rotation. And having said that, to to go down this line, I will say that I was in favor of the change when they made it, which was game four of the season. Normally I wouldn't be in favor, but I feel like there's been a lot of years where change hasn't been made early in the season, and they've sort of stuck with what looked to be a slippery slope, and eventually it came back to bite them. So I was fine with the decision back then, but the way this year has played out – Florida State has 21 wins and they have two saves. Drew Carlton has both saves that this team has and you're just not getting them out there in, in quality situations. So, to me the question becomes right now, what is your best chance to win a series against anybody? A three-game series and they've got a tough schedule left or as you get into the postseason the best answer is you got to have your two best arms going the majority, as many innings as possible and so that means that Tyler Holton and Drew Carlton need to be out there as starters. And you're, I, you're nodding your head. The folks can't hear that, so I right. agree.
1: And in the other part, particularly if you make it into post game, postseason, you know, there's an argument to be made to start him on Friday and use him again Saturday or Sunday in relief if you need him,
0: depending on how long he goes. Exactly. I think they'll go the other way, which is they will have him available in relief in Game One of the weekend series. And I wouldn't be opposed to moving Tyler Holton up to the game one starter because he's been your best pitcher. We can debate that. They'll have that conversation this week. Regardless, you have Carlton available to get you the eighth and ninth inning on Friday if you need it, if it's a winnable game. And then you bring him back on Sunday and you trot him out there for as long as he can go and and give you five, six innings and you piece it together around that. Another part that, that I don't know the answer to,
1: you would be much better equipped is – you know, the traditional, when the opponent changes pitchers, they go from a lefty to a righty, and then you make your substitution from a, a batting perspective. Maybe you need to throw that out the window a little bit too and, and go with some lefties on lefties and righties on righties and just ride
0: with some guys that have gotten you a little, at least a little bit of production. You're talking about pitching or hitters? Hitters. Well, the thing with this Florida State lineup, on the offensive side, they just continue to be missing parts and pieces. It's an excuse. It's also a fact. We know what the defense looked like when Derwin James and, was out and Derek Nottie wasn't healthy, et cetera. Well, we know what this FSU offensive lineup looked like without Drew Mendoza and last night without Dylan Busby and Jackson Luke. It's shingles? Shingles. and he, Shingles. Shin splints and shingles. I mean, there's a combination Whew. that uh, you certainly don't hear very frequently. He, 19,
1: 20 years 20, old?
0: I think. Again, so it's an excuse, it's also a fact. Jackson Luke was the top hitter on the team last year. Dylan Busby led the team in home runs. Both were out last night. Uh, You lose a game by three that was very close to being a one-run game because Cal Raleigh just missed a two-run homer there in the ninth. Um, But the bigger point, when you have your starting lineup, they've got four switch hitters in it. So they've got guys that can turn around and hit the other way. I mean, that's more switch hitters than a good point I mean with the four they have right now that's more than they've had probably cumulatively over the last decade and it's more than I mean for all the games I've broadcast I don't remember seeing a team with four switch hitters in it and they do have that the problem offensively is that guys you were counting on separate the injuries have not done nearly what they did a year ago that's Taylor Walls at the top of the lineup it's Dylan Busby to some degree it's Cal Raleigh to a larger degree, like Taylor Walls, they but just you didn't have the freshman level. for
1: twenty something games.
0: Right. Well, the most consistent players this year, uh, Jackson Luke's hitting fine. He's just missed a ton of time. JC Flowers is hitting two eighty or two ninety as a freshman, and Drew Mendoza, who's played ten games now, has I think ten runs driven in. Well, and about, he had has no... got what a six game uh, batting streak. I mean, in place right now, you can see how good a hitter he's going to be and how ridiculous a talent he is. The guy had. Basically, no fall ball, no spring ball. He hasn't had any BP. They just throw him in against live pitching. He starts his career one for 14, and since then, I mean, he's now hitting over 300. So whatever the math is, he's, he's probably 10 for his last 18 or something, including a double last night. So all that said, Mike Martin, so then I got in the car, and I listened to the post game, and Mike Martin said, we are going to use Drew Carlton more, he, and they're going to have discussions and figure out what that is. But he needs to get more in. I mean, out of Holton and Carlton, if you're looking at 27 innings over the weekend, Uh, those guys have to be, what, 14 of those innings? You would hope. I mean, six or seven innings in two games. Whatever whatever the definition of a quality start is in your vernacular, you need two of them. The other thing I would do right now, you've got three midweek games left, Stetson at home, at Stetson, and JU at home. Why'd they cancel that one, by the way? Was that the
1: overloaded schedule? They scheduled one too many that you talked about?
0: I know nothing. Understood. Yes. Um they need to change up what they're doing with the midweek because Carp has been up and down. And I think his velocity is fine. It was, he hit 94 in the first inning last night, threw eight pitches in so doing, then couldn't find the strike zone in the second inning and didn't last. But we've seen him as the midweek starter. Uh, if you think he can help you out of the bullpen an inning at a time, uh, if you're going to move Carlton in the starting rotation, he, Karp becomes another guy that can try to get you an inning or two here or there. The freshman who's been pitching Sundays, if you pull him out of the rotation, he can get you another inning or two. I would take your full complement of pitchers and not worry one iota about your midweeks and figure out how you can best win a series against Clemson this weekend. And then after that, you look down the line and say, well, everybody's exhausted. We got nobody you can throw. And you just roll out whoever the first guy is and go from there against Stetson. What's the term? Johnny Holstaff? Some people say Johnny, some say Charlie. I've never figured out who the better. They're twins. They're twins. Is, They're is twins. it Charlie or is it Johnny? One's I don't left, know. one's left handed I one's sort of right hand interchangeably. <laughs> so anyway, that's where you go. You hope you get Jackson Luke back. You hope you get Dylan Busby back. And it's a completely different feel to what these seasons have been because we haven't had a season like this for Florida State. Now, bigger picture, there's going to become a, a decision to, to be made, and the and the pressure is going to mount. and, One, and the discussion is is ramping up it is uh to be fair these discussions are never great in the heat of the moment they are better when you reflect back on the season or at least let it play its course i mean you look on paper and you say this florida state baseball team's got no chance against who they're playing but you would have said on paper that the fsu basketball team had no chance against those six ranked teams in a row when they went five and one at that time so you gotta you gotta let that play out and assess but the the situation frankly with Eleven's age haven't been here so long, it is hurting them in recruiting because kids don't know if he's going to be their coach. Now it makes it a tougher situation to suggest that Mike Jr. become the head coach in waiting right now in light of current circumstances. That might add something to it. But anyway, I don't know what the answer is. I just know as usual that I can pose the question. Well and,
1: and I think it's a fair statement that unlike in years past where you talked about maybe you needed to make a decision you're probably at the point where i don't know what that decision is but something needs to be made if that, if that using the you know, king's english very
0: badly <laughs> well we do that on a weekly basis here can i get another baseball ran in fire away they got to shorten the college baseball game I, this is not a new problem last night's game was four hours there's a pitching change every two minutes it's just not fun Uh, Now, I'm speaking as a guy that broadcasted, so I'm actually compensated to be there. But four hours on a weeknight, people, I mean, the score is a reason people left. But regardless, you got to get on with your lives. And you could start by shortening the number of warm-up tosses a relief pitcher gets. That would be one. You could put a cap, and this wasn't the case last night, but some teams will throw over to first base, even if the runner is standing on first base. If you do that, you ought to automatically award the runner second, second base. Exactly. Just give him second. to get. Uh, you know what my all-time I, I favorite one is, don't you? What's that? Intentional walks. Okay, <laughs> we're walking you. Well, Go. Major League Baseball has been addressing that. Uh, this wasn't a problem last night, but I do think it's a problem of the compressed schedule, which has been around for the last eight or ten years, uh, and that is that you just run out of arms during the midweek. And so if the season is stretched back out, you can use your better arms and have better pitched games. I say that knowing that both there was 11 pitchers used last night. Well, one of the other but, but things, the, and this we, is a bigger discussion, but one of the other things I've
1: always been frustrated with at the college level is trying to be too precise with your pitches. You know, all right, I, I'm, I'm not hitting the outside corner. All right, screw it. I'm putting it down the middle at the knees, and I'm going to make them do something as opposed to continue to try to hit the outside corner at the belt. Uh, but that's just me. And uh, and that gets called from the dugout inside outside up and down, heck with it. Put it in there.
0: Make them swing. That's a topic for the rules committee to address, but um, it needs to be addressed. It, the games are too long. Yep. The games are too long. And I, I told you, my son's got his first go round with coach pitch, and he's bored to tears out there right now. And he's in kindergarten, so you can <laughs> you can see how so p- people are not necessarily conditioned to love baseball, especially in this era of Twitter and Facebook. Even if you're not on it, go ahead, sneeze oh i just called you out anyway you actually did that pretty quietly nobody would have known and i threw you under the bus anyway on that well i gotta hook my, my, my headset back up sorry <laughs> oh, there you go so anyway i think i'm done with baseball for now i don't know what else uh let's move along where would you like to move well, we probably need we'd to probably go to, a, to break. a break yes let's do that um before we go to break i should tell you that uh, this week at centrally is leftover pizza week and uh it, they're serving breakfast well leftover pizza sounds pretty good right now uh you get a free men's t-shirt or women's tank uh, that says leftover pizza today's gift from yesterday's you with the purchase of any 12 by 18 pizza at uh, centrale old school italian fare with a fun fresh edge and the pizza tastes better a leftover and b if you're still trying to feel better about last night's circumstances at mike martin field dickhauser stadium or what you did after the game was over you were at the basketball banquet and we'll talk about that perhaps in our next segment but i listened to the last two innings with lulu on the radio coming on there you go i was there watching that ball go go go, go our go. seminoles.com insider tim Linnefelt will make us all feel better when we come back on the front row stay with us
2: front row with tom block and keith jones is presented by hobson chevrolet of Cairo, georgia get your best deal the hobson way here's tom and keith
0: welcome back to the front row, row keith i feel better already i'm glad i don't know if any of our listeners do i don't know if you do but i'm, I'm glad because
1: i ask you how did that make you feel I feel better as we began feel better and and, and i perceive predict think that after this segment you'll feel
0: even better when we talk to dr tim i usually do feel better after our conversations with our seminal.com insider tim lenefeld who joins us now via the earl bacon agency hotline the earl bacon agency ensuring your future together tim how are you i'm doing well tom how are you in light of circumstances i'm as good as i could be i suppose circumstances being that Florida continues its dominance over Florida State on the baseball field.
3: Yeah, that's a, that's a frustrating thing, isn't it? And especially the way things got going last night with, with Florida State starting off with a solo home run from Taylor Walls and building a little bit of a lead, uh, you know, showing that they could, could score against that pitching staff, which had been a, tr- uh, a struggle lately, and then uh, to, to lose in a completely different fashion than what they had uh, lately, uh, yeah, it's uh, tough to watch
0: sometimes yeah we didn't get into looking back at last night's game so much as Mike Martin's comment about how they're going to use drew Carlton more, so I threw out my theory uh which is simply that he needs to get a start over the weekend uh and that I could see that you save him for the bullpen in the first game of the series to maybe get you an inning or two if it's a winnable game, and then you pitch him at some point in game two or three. But how do you think he should be used?
2: well,
3: you know, going walking down there after the game, I thought yeah, they got to figure out a way to just to get him to pitch more. Uh, whatever the case may be, it was his first work in uh, quite some time. I, mean, I don't think he pitched it all in Raleigh last weekend, and then by the time he came into this game, uh, it was pretty much out of reach. So uh, I, w- I wasn't surprised at all to hear Mike Martin say that uh, that that they were going to change his role. I was surprised he didn't commit as much, uh, and it still sounds like you know they, they, they can't haven't figured out exactly what they want to do with him. And then Mike Martin said as much in his post game press conference. I, I mean, I, I my opinion is I think he should be in the weekend rotation. I think having a Saturday through Monday series. Against Clemson is a perfect opportunity to do that. Uh, let him start on Monday because, you know, is, is he your, your best option as a closer? Yeah, but you got to get to a, a safe situation for that to matter. And, and right now, one of your best pitchers is you're just not, you're not you're not having an opportunity to get him in the game enough. And I think that has to change. And, and furthermore, uh, you know, if, if you do expand his role and, and move him back in the rotation, I think that can kind of change the complexion of the season maybe give you the jolt you need because and I think they would say they they probably need a jolt right now something to feel optimistic about
0: well certainly the upcoming schedule is not something to feel optimistic about so a jolt is needed I guess the only other thing that uh, could be a a good shot in the arm would be the return of Dylan Busby and and or Jackson Luke did you hear 11 say last night that Jackson Luke slept for 36 straight hours when he finally got to sleep
3: I did he said he, he was in so much pain that, uh, that he couldn't sleep otherwise, and he finally you know was able to manage it. And at that point, I guess he been so sleep deprived that yeah, he slept for a day and a half. so uh, it sounds like a pretty unpleasant time for him. I know that's a, that's a pretty painful thing to be dealing with, uh, and they're hoping they can get him back soon but uh, but we'll see and, and, and you know and at that point in, in the press conference eleven kind of you know, threw his hands out man that 20 year old kid getting shingles? are you kidding me? Uh, you know, it's, uh, when, when things go wrong they, they seem to really go wrong, I think it was kind of the point he was making, but, uh, but yeah, it's just one of those things that you never even heard of before. And that's just sort of the, the way it's been the last couple of weeks.
1: Well, Tim, I'm, I'm ready to go radical. Uh, you know, Tom and I talked about it a little bit and then we talked during the break, you know, uh, one of the things that's always been a criticism of mine about the college game is how overly managed it is by everybody. You know they they don't call they call pitches you know down and in mid and in down and out up and out just throw back and throw the ball you know I, I understand taking taking first strike in the ninth inning but I mean if if these kids are as talented as we think they are let's just let them go out there and play like they were eleven and twelve year olds and quit over managing everything and let's just see what happens.
3: Yeah, I guess there's something to uh, to be said for that. I think you're going to be fighting an uphill climb. Uh, in, uh, in in that fight and I, I'm curious if there are other coaches out there I don't follow other college baseball programs as closely as this one uh, or that have adopted that philosophy and, and to what result but but yeah and certainly you know when you see a game like the one last night uh, and we knew it was going to take a while uh, they, they, the games between Florida State and Florida tend to uh, but uh, but the number of pitching changes that you have and the number of runs scored that were uh, in, in the early innings, I think it was uh, seven o'clock before they completed two innings, and the game started at six. So, oh, you
1: just right. you just had to bring up the length of the game again, did you? <laughs> well, oh. that's, that's, that's at least
3: to some degree, that's part of the part of the point you're making. Or Tom, at least, Tom uh, Block uh, is no
0: longer sitting; he's now standing. <laughs> no, I, we you know we're not going to solve all this. I, I would just weigh in, Tim, and say that um, I agree that college baseball is overmanaged, and that's not a criticism to Mike Martin I've called a lot of you know when I was doing the baseball for seven years it's just the way the game is they let all college coaches control too much of the game and as the sport becomes more popular some of that's going to need to be legislated uh, to get the game to be a little bit quicker Um, I mean that's my opinion and and you know we don't have time to to discuss all that right now but a four-hour game for a regular season game shoot for a postseason game it's too long
3: well, look, it's not just a, a college baseball issue. You, you've you've heard them talking about that in the major League for for how long now, as far as you know, quickening the pace and making it a little more TV friendly. Uh, and, and I don't know that they've come up with a, a particularly satisfying answer yet either. So, yeah, it's just something that I think the sport is facing, and then we'll you know just kind of see how it goes. But and look, four hour games are 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 not the norm, so it you know do need to, to treat it that way. But it is something to sort of keep an eye on. I think. Well, how
0: about how about that little game we had on Saturday? Good segue because I was going down another rabbit hole on baseball. So let's get the football. I can football. Tell. Let's get the football. I can see the wheels turning. I'm going, no, nah, let's go somewhere else. <laughs> I'll probably get it in anyway. Uh, Tim, observations. I feel like people have, uh, you know, they've had a few days to hammer out the, the top takeaways from the spring game, but we'll see if yours are any different than what uh, folks have already offered up.
3: Uh, probably not. My first thought was that offensively, it's kind of hard to take away much of anything. One, because your offensive line is split up in two, because you only had two scholarship receivers available, which really hindered your passing game. Uh, you know, the the cliche goes that you want your defense to be ahead of your offense at this stage uh, of the year, and I think for Florida State, that's definitely the case. I thought the defense looked really good. Uh, you, you saw Derwin James make almost an immediate impact, and, and there was a stretch there in the first half where, uh, I mean, he he was basically ruining the game just because he was so disruptive and, and getting in the quarterback space or breaking up passes or whatever the case may be, the uh, the the offense couldn't just couldn't do anything. He was he was being so effective, and so while that can be frustrating in the moment, perhaps I think that's nothing but good things for Florida State moving forward uh, when he gets to to employ all those strategies and, and uh, techniques against opponents uh, rather than his own team. And then otherwise, I, I was pretty impressed with the running game. Obviously, Cam Akers was what everybody was looking forward to seeing um, and then making his debut in De- Campbell stadium and averaging, I think he had 87 yards on 10 carries. Uh, that's uh, that'll play, so to speak at the 35 yard run that, that probably could have been a little bit longer had he not been brought down by Derwin James, but I also thought Jack Patrick was pretty nice too. Uh, and you ought to think at this point that, that those two are, are probably uh, at the top of the mountain, so to speak as, as far as uh, you know, players who are going to get carries and, and maybe uh, split carries, I do think you're going to see a a, a bit more of a a shared load among the running backs than you have in the last few years of Salvin Cook. At least on Saturday, it looked like he got uh, at the very least two guys who were able to handle that, maybe with a little Ryan Green thrown in there as well.
1: I have found the way over the last couple, three years to immediately annoy Jimbo when we begin a conversation. Oh, good. Uh, yeah, I, I, it's become a talent of mine. I see him Monday night, walk up to him, shake his hand. Coach, how you doing? Doing good. Keith, how you doing? I said, Coach, I really, really like the running backs. I thought they really performed well with, with the offensive line, not blocking as well as it could. Oh, we blocked fine. There wasn't anything wrong with We, we blocked fine. <laughs> we right. I'm going, geez, Louise, I'm 15 seconds into a conversation. I've already annoyed him. <laughs> but I do think it is accurate that that offensive line has the, obviously the need – and the opportunity to get better once they get some cohesiveness to them.
3: Yeah, I think that's a big part of it. You know, the one thing you got to keep in mind is that you're, you're starting center and you're starting right guard. None of them, either of them played a snap this spring in, in Alec Everly and Landon Dickerson. So I think you're not going to know exactly what you have until you get everybody fully healthy. And then throughout the spring, you had guys getting hurt uh, and banged up, missing a couple days. So. Uh, To me, the the, the biggest thing is you had some guys who maybe otherwise wouldn't have gotten a lot lot of work, like a a Josh Ball or an Ethan Fritz. Get them some action. Let them get some reps under their belt and have that added experience headed into the fall. But I don't think your starting five on the line is going to be settled uh, really until fall camp gets going and, and probably a few weeks into it.
1: I thought the most impressive quarterback was the freshman in Brady.
3: Yeah, I think he looks really good, and, and you know, it was funny because you, when you watched him, uh, you, you said, oh, this this kid looks really good, and then you went back and looked at the box score after the game. I think he was 3 for 11, which uh, which is why you look at the games and, and what happens in them rather than just that line. Uh, but yeah, you know, I thought one of the more impressive plays of the game, and it didn't amount to much, but was when he was, I think it might have been his second pass, uh, he's rolling to his right, which for him is across his body because he's a left hander. Uh, he's rolling to his right and just sort of rears back and, and flicks the ball maybe about 30 or 40 yards downfield that looked just about as effortless a throw as we've seen in there in a while and it landed five yards out of bounds and the receiver I don't remember who it was the receiver caught it and again the pass itself was incomplete because it was out of bounds but just the throw itself and his ability to, to scramble and make something happen scan the field and, and launch a, a you know a really pretty ball downfield uh for a, a freshman who's only been here for a few weeks I thought that was pretty impressive
0: Keith you and I didn't discuss this and perhaps it's should be taken with a grain of salt because there was not a live rush on the punter or somebody trying to tackle said punt returner I thought well hey let's give Logan Tyler a little credit he punted pretty well but I thought that Derwin just looked natural and really comfortable catching those punts and I understand nobody was gunning at them for that matter all the punt returners did I'm excited though because I think there's a real opportunity well there's obviously opportunity because FSU hasn't been nearly as good in special teams the last couple years as they should be but I think if you're talking about Derwin or Levante or some others returning punts and then you give Cam Akers more touches as a kick returner whether he's back there with Gavin or whoever I think there's a real opportunity to be much better in the return game this year
3: yeah, I think so for sure, and and I wonder if, if Derwin James was, would have factored into their plans at some point last year, maybe midway through the season, if they're looking for a spark back there. And uh, you know, I think he definitely wants it. I think he likes the idea of, of getting the ball in his hands a little bit. And uh, look, man, if, I, if you're a special teams player and you see number three coming at you with the ball and a full head of steam, uh, you might think twice before you get in front of them. I think that's a, a pretty tantalizing prospect for Florida State. Uh but yeah it's uh, for the first time in, in a couple of years it seems like they have a lot of really really good and exciting options back there and and and, and you know I do think that you know for, for Jimbo Fisher who is about as detail oriented as it comes um I think mean, he wants to be really good on special teams and it it bothers him when they're not and you know, you've seen in the past if if he thinks that that you know putting the ball in the hands of a star player uh, in the return game is what they need to do uh, he's not shy about doing it
1: Tim, as a former player and and, and, a, and a broadcaster and having watched this program for 35, 40 years now, there was a singular play during that spring game, uh, which I think is a testament to what might happen in 2017, just like the singular play when uh, Jameis Winston rears back and hits the freshman wide receiver in his spring game over Joiner right. for a touchdown. That play is when Cam Akers broke through the line of scrimmage, got into the second level, and instead of trying to juke uh, um, Derwin, ran right into him. Now, I was going to guess that play. Now, I really when, was. Now, when players I, go back and look I, at that. I'm just
0: glad he didn't say it was the missed field goal that was going to typify the season or <laughs> no, something like that. that. Well, that
1: could be, but that's topic, another topic. But let me tell you, a freshman, particularly a, a early enrollee, coming in and taking on the absolute, without question, leader of that defense. Two things there. Number one, testament to Acres, And number two, that annoys the Derwins of the world. Don't be surprised if those two don't really compete with each other when fall camp comes, and there will be nothing but positive comes out of that. that they that, even wear the same jersey number. Exactly. That was, an, uh, for those that understand the college game, that was an unbelievable play by the freshman.
3: And let's give Derwin a little bit of credit, too. Uh, you know, he Cam Akers runs into him uh, after he's he got a pass over the middle. Uh, and, and Derwin, he, he absorbed the blow, caught his feet, and, and got his hands around Cam Akers and made a really nice tackle to make sure he didn't get any extra yardage on that play. Uh, so, you know, it was a 17-yard, 17 17- 17 or 18-yard gain for, for Cam Akers. But I also thought it was a pretty nice play by Derwin to recover and make that tackle.
1: Too. I
0: would agree with that as well. Then we're going to let you go on a good Derwin James story. Keith has already heard some of this, but I need to set the context. Context for our listeners. You know, his ability to uh, a referee. Well, to referee, but this is more. Uh, <laughs> this is more in, in the vein of uh, Damian Craig and stealing signs. So first of all, th- it, oh that one. What it speaks to is how competitive Derwin is, Tim. But you know, Derwin's on the Garnet defense and when they're off the field most of the players are sitting by the fans or back on the bench some you know I mean it's not that they're not watching the game Derwin is right there next to his coach at the line of scrimmage watching everything this is what Derwin was doing so he's watching the signals come in from Charles Kelly, and he's watching the gold defenders signal what the defense is, and he's immediately turning and yelling, hey, Nooney, Nooney, this is cover two. This is cover two, Nooney." <laughs> Every play for the entire game, he was tipping the defense to hit. That's how competitive he is about it. Now, some people may take that the wrong way. Obviously, this is uh, – it's a spring game, so, uh, you know, if it was a real game, we'd call it gamesmanship or whatever. I mean, I'm not saying – uh, that there's any reason for concern. I like it. It was just hysterical. I'm talking the last five seconds of the game. He says, Noonie, it's man. It's man. It's man. And he did that for the entire football game. Not that hey, we should be I, surprised.
3: I like no, I wouldn't be surprised at all. You know, we the idea that a that a football game, a spring football game is, is meaningless. And then the final score at the end of the day, it doesn't mean a whole lot. But for the players out there, of course, you want to win, especially when they, when they split up rosters
2: the way that they do. And
3: and draft players and, and compete against each other. I, I'm, I'm sure they wanted to win. And, and, you know, hey, I'll just see it. And if you're going to let me see your plays,
0: what am I supposed to do, you know? <laughs> hey, I told Charles Kelly when I saw him on the field after the game, and he just smiled. He said, of course he was. Well, I mean, I mean he, he, he loves that guy. When
1: Jimbo comes to me and asks me, how, Keith, it's all in your hands, how do we improve the spring game? Here's going to be my one suggestion. This is the one thing of all the things I've ever heard of all the years that I've been around college football. Uh, and, we, and we did it a couple of years when I was playing, but it was not like it was because it was me doing it. Other schools have done it. But you divide up the teams like you did, and then you have a team dinner after the game. And the winners get shrimp and steak, and the looters get beanie weenies. And you all eat a final meal together before you quote-unquote break the spring game, and the losers get hot dogs, and the winners get the feast that'll add a little more to it as well that, that's always to me has been the greatest concept for a spring game uh reward and or
0: punishment i like it tim thank you as always sir
3: you got it guys See you
0: next time. all right our seminoles.com insider tim lennefeld no the greatest concept for a spring game it's time to beat the drum again but you, i didn't you notice i didn't even go there let's play a real team in the spring game absolutely we haven't done this since last year Auburn comes down, we play a game, next year we play at Auburn, boom, everybody has a good time.
1: You would have 60,000, 70,000 people in the stands both ways, and people would show up early, they'd come in early, they'd tailgate. Gosh knows we hadn't talked about this, you could charge for it. Well, they charge five (laughs) bucks, but you could put a real price on it. Exactly, and I'm telling you, I, I hope maybe somewhere down the road somebody
0: will take that on how many years consecutively have we beat the drum oh for this? gosh nobody's <laughs> still nobody's listening nobody no we, we're just we're not high doing it correctly high schools have jamboree if you really wanted to get creative put four teams together in a have a jamboree have a jamboree come on we can do this Hi, right, more of the front row more uh I don't even think it's that crazy. How about we just change More, it to ranting and so, raving? So so far today, we've decided that we got to fix college baseball. It's too long, and we got to have spring games where you play a real team. And and we
1: got too much coaching in the college game, uh, baseball wise. Got to just turn them loose and let them play. And Derwin James is a pretty good referee. We'll talk about that later.
0: All right. Plus Lonnie Alameda joins us, and you went to the basketball banquet. I'm sure there's some other rules we can change before this show is done. Stay with us on the front row. <laughs>
2: Front Row is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener, two locations to choose from, 1110 Stuckey Avenue and 3269 Crawfordville Highway. Call them at 580-1200 or online at ctf.nu. Now, here's Tom and Keith. It's
0: sticking with us until we come up with uh, an alternative here, Keith. I, I like it. Lonnie Alameda acoustic. will join us uh, next segment. We'll talk Seminole softball. They're the number one team in the country. Appreciate it. So we want to go Tim's. jamboree
1: or get individual team game, two, two people against each other? Well, I would... uh, jamboree. Let's go jamboree.
0: Well, you got to start small, though, baby steps. So we probably just need to get one team down. Okay uh honestly if we're gonna go down this path again keith so maybe it doesn't start with auburn but maybe instead of the sacrificial lamb games that you play during the season charleston southern come in yeah and play auburn during the regular season right i mean if we get everybody to go that way um that comment i made about derwin did he not not the uh stealing signs comment which was really funny Am I overstating that he looked pretty comfortable? Like it just—you're lo- exactly. I right. mean, he looks comfortable, and everything he does, it looks effortless on a football field. He is just a natural on the football field. He yeah.
1: is a natural football player who, oh, by the way, is also gifted with some great physical
0: talent. I feel like I'm on an island. We haven't talked about the offensive line a lot. There I'm, wasn't I'm, much to talk about. No, but I'm. There were I'm Twelve not, sacks in the game. I'm not as concerned as everybody else is now. Alabama game one—that's a different story. But in general,
1: I'm not either. I think for the reason that that Tim brought out, you you had two starters out, you had two starters on one side, and another starter and the number one backup on the other side. There's no continuity. That's why you know again I made the comment to Jimbo, you know, and he right didn't like it, and we had 12 sacks, which you don't like, but. Even Jimbo's not worried about the offensive line.
0: Six of those sacks, DeAndre would still be running, though. You know? Possibly. I mean, you just get a little touch Possibly. of the guy. I understand why. All right, you were at the basketball banquet uh, last night. What did we learn? Didn't Did learn. anybody Didn't. announce that after further
1: review they're coming back to FSU? No one reneging. No one reneging. Uh, okay. no i tell you, the one biggest takeaway, and I, I, if it's on tape, I hope someone gets it on YouTube. Uh, if it's not on tape, it's a waste. Probably the best, the best quote-unquote, post-career speech talk ever from Michael Ojo. That young man is absolutely freaking amazing.
0: He, we, had, well, he, we had him on this show
1: a couple articulate. ago. He was articulate. He was honest. He was, he was genuine. I had tears in my eyes when he got through talking about how important his time at Florida State was and the fact that he will leave here not only with his undergraduate degree, but his master's degree, and how proud his family, how proud his town would be of him from having come from Nigeria to come to the United States to play basketball and to get his
0: education. I had tears in my eyes. That's a great story, and and I'm glad you shared it because that's probably not out there. There probably wasn't media at the banquet last night. They were all at the FSU Florida uh, baseball game. Good story. I will remind you, and then uh, we'll come back and and have our softball coach join us, that if you've got a do-it-yourself project that needs to be finished, go visit Ron and his knowledgeable staff at Cornerstone Tool and Fastener to get all your power tool needs. They've got two locations to choose from, 1110 Stuckey Avenue and 3269 Crawfordville Highway. You can call them at 580-1200, or if you don't want to drop them a postcard like Keith might do, you can visit them online at ctf.nu. And if you go by to see them, just browse the owls a little bit. If you're
1: like me, I just kind of walk up and down every now and then when I'm in there and I find something I didn't know I needed,
0: and I just have to have it. It's pretty much the way my wife shops. <laughs> <laughs> we'll come back and talk about seminal softball with Lonnie Alameda right after this. <laughs>
2: The Front Row with Tom Block and Keith Jones is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Here's Tom and Keith.
0: Back on the Front Row, Tom and Keith with you, and we're very pleased to bring the head coach of the number one softball program in the country to the airwaves, Coach Lonnie Alameda, who has uh, a terrific team and is enjoying a, a great, great season. Coach, how are you?
4: I'm doing well, doing well. Thank you. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, I, I would have been shocked if you would have answered uh, any differently than that than doing well, because your team is like a thousand one and one or something like that. No, I think it's like what thirty six, thirty seven, one and one. I mean, it's just been a great year. So, congratulations. Yes, yeah,
4: thank you. It has been a lot of fun for sure.
0: I know that uh, the way the way softball works, and this is one of the good things, you see it in baseball, but you see it more in softball, uh, you have tournaments pre-conference where you can go to California and you can really test yourself against the best teams nationally uh so so you did that early on and and even last year you had a chance to go to oklahoma city and and maybe your team was a year ahead of schedule but i would think as a coach that uh, unlike some sports where maybe you don't get a chance to test yourself against the best uh you're in a good situation that you get to roll the balls out there and and play against teams uh, that are top caliber yep
4: no for sure and we've been very lucky to be able to get invited to some of those tournaments out there and and go play some of the top teams and get a schedule like that just a hit a a temperature where our team's at, you know. We had to mingle in a few freshmen this year, and we knew we had an experienced team returning. So to be able to go out and play Arizona and play Michigan and and play over five uh, five days and and try to play some of those games, you know, that are late in the weekend, it was a really good challenge for us to see if our experience and our youth could mesh and grow together. And we did see that, and it was really a great opportunity for us.
1: Now, Lonnie, KJ here, you may have answered this before, but I've not heard it. You, you've you made the comment, Tom, as echoed it, that uh, last year, you know, in the back of your mind you're going, that squad kind of overachieved. They may me be a little – we're a year ahead of ourselves. Yeah. Did you have any inkling it would be like this for 2017?
4: Yeah, no. Um, you know, honestly, I knew we'd be talented, but I don't think we as a coaching staff knew how driven this team would be. And, you know, to get leaders in the collegiate athletic world, right, to, to get leaders – to step up and be accountable on and off the field, our senior class has been by far the best I've ever been around. And so that part I think has been um, really um, unique. I, I knew we have great leadership, but not to this level. And I think that's been the grit and glue that's really kept us this consistent so long so far.
1: Well, let me ask you to expound upon that just a little bit. Uh, contrast talent versus drive. You've got yeah. some talented kids, but this might be the most driven squad, any sport I've ever seen.
4: Yeah, yeah. No, for sure. Um, we are we are talented, but um, we're also very good at knowing what we do individually so well. So there, there's no pointing fingers. There's no... Um, why does this person get to do it, and I don't? That kind of stuff. Like you come in, if you're a short gamer, if you're Morgan Clayman, you get on base and you steal bases, and you do things. That's what you do. And she's very accountable to it. Just Warren, Alex Powers, you know, um, big numbers. Uh, they know what they've got to do and what they daily have to do for the team and what kind of swings they have to get for the team. So it, it, there's just nobody hangs their head. Everybody's really good at. Dang it, I didn't do my job, but great job for you for getting it done today. We got the W. There, there, it's just it's a very selfless, selfless driven team, and um, it, it's been really. It, it's been refreshing, honestly, to be around.
0: So, you got a selfless team with good leaders who's among the top in the country in hitting and pitching. That seems like a pretty good combination across the board, there, coach. <laughs>
4: yeah, it, it really is. And, um, yeah, I, I, we told them yesterday in, in our team meeting, you know, we talked to them. They've done a, a, an amazing job this, so far, right? So, we, we've done what we did in or the pre conference um, season was, was awesome with those tournaments. We go into conference. We knew we'd have the, the bullseye on our back in conference for what we've done over the last couple of years and um and, and they just risen to the occasion um every single day so Sundays you know when you're playing a game against the team three days in a row Sundays are like the mentally tough days and and I think our leadership just really the seniors just get that group together like all right it's Sunday let's go you know so now we're jumping into uh, an SEC we get to go out and play the packs we get to play the strongest of the ACC conference in Louisville and UNC. So this is just a really good time. they prepare themselves so well for this this opportunity ahead.
0: Well, one of those opportunities comes tonight. Uh, Obviously you're playing Florida in just a little while. Florida has had your number on the softball, but they've had a lot of people's number because they've been very, very good. So uh, what is the key to reversing that trend and keeping your win streak going tonight?
4: Yeah. uh, You know, just having quality at bats, um, you know, we're somewhat used to throwing up a lot of numbers on the boards right now in the hit column and the runs column and, you know, that doesn't go with the ERAs that we're going to go face tonight. So um, now it's, you know, go ahead and handle the failure, but get a swing off for your team. Uh, and if we can get every single person to make sure they have quality at bats and they don't throw anything away, we're going to give ourselves the best opportunity to get after that pitching staff. And then pitching-wise, you know, it's just a, it's a unique place to play. Um, the rivalry is amazing. You don't get the opportunity a lot of times to play a legit rivalry game in a top five game, on top of that, so them being three and us being one, you throw it out the out the door because it's just going to be a very passionate field and, and rivalry game. So our pitching staff's going to have to get after that atmosphere a little bit and and be pretty good with that, and then uh, just play seven solid innings. You know, just go give your best and. I'm just so excited for it. The girls actually are really excited for it. Like they're just they're grounded with it, and they know that this is going to be a really good opportunity to to get better for it.
1: If you had your wish for tonight, low scoring game or high scoring game, what do you think favors your squad? Uh,
4: low scoring. Um, you know, I think that. I mean, high scoring. It's just never been our history with them. You know, we've just always been in you know a, a couple runs here and there, and we've had some epic battles with them. And. I think the nail biters are the coolest, you know, it's just every pitch has so much weight on it. And I know most people would say you're crazy, but I mean, that's what you play for. You play for, you know, oh, here it goes, here's the curveball, here's the change up, you know, and, and, you know, are we going to make the catch are we going to get the swing off? It's just so much fun because every pitch has so much weight.
1: She sounds like she's defensive minded if she was a football coach. (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Little uh, plug here for uh, folks listening. Uh, these two teams will meet again in Tallahassee on May third. Florida comes to town to take on FSU, so I know it'll be packed uh, out at the park that day, uh, no question. But and and it'll probably be two. T- it'll definitely be two top fives teams again, and and hopefully it's still number one good guys, number three bad guys when we see them in a couple yeah. weeks. <laughs> Coach, uh, this is a little bit of a side note, but you mentioned playing the pack again. Did I see that you have Oregon on the schedule somewhere between your conference play and your conference tournament?
4: Yeah, you know, again, people look at us a little bit crazy, but, you know, um, the ACC has has been kind of up and down fluctuating uh, with, you know, the RPI, and that's a big thing getting into postseason seeding and all that kind of stuff. And so, you know, we've tried to get some of our off weekends, our bye weekends in the ACC to get some teams that, um, you know, maybe a little bit different out of region, uh, you know, something different to, to kind of keep us going with that mentality of what we need to do to win a national championship. And so, We've been fortunate, you know, this year that we're going to go out to Oregon because we had an off weekend before the ACC tournament. And then next year, Oregon's going to come here and play us. And, um, you know, they're a great team, and the Pack's have a great season. And so it's going to be just another challenge for us uh, to get around a a big atmosphere and some great pitching and and obviously some speed that they have out there.
0: That's interesting, and that makes absolute sense here in the context of it. Coach, uh, individually, and and I don't know your your roster uh, all that well, but – i guess from a human interest standpoint uh, i think alex has overcome a, a couple of knee surgeries but just just kind of give us a thumbnail on a couple of the players who who really are carrying this team
4: yeah um and i think skill wise alex powers is, has been tremendous for us, anchoring down swinging the bat force and jessica warren um if people haven't had a chance to see jessica warren play uh, she's tremendous at third base she plays it like a shortstop, and she's just so headsy and you know, swings. Um, it, it's just it's fun to watch. You're you're on your edge of your seat all the time when Warren comes to the plate. Morgan Clayman's little spark plug. You know, she's the top of our lineup, and she just um, you know gets on base, steals base. She's, her speed is just fun to watch. But I think that the biggest person for us this season, um, and it may not show up in the numbers um, because she is just loveless, is, is our captain Ellie Cooper. She's just you know second base. She's not as flashy you know as you think of, as an athlete, but as a leader. She's solid. Uh, she does her job. Uh, she's always into every pitch. Um, so she grounds all the, the skilled players to make them play at the highest level, but then keeps them, you know, pretty, pretty grounded in those moments. And so that's a huge skill for any team to have is to have that leadership. And so to me, Ellie Cooper, you know, by far has, has been the, the biggest skill for us on the field to make sure that we keep everyone level headed.
1: Coach, as you get into the, the latter half, latter third of your season, uh, what, 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 has the message changed at all? Has the message shifted to a one way or the other about what you're telling the young ladies about how to maintain focus?
4: Yeah, no. I mean, it, obviously, as you get to the later part of the season and postseason, the pitching becomes better. You know, it starts to, especially postseason, you know, you're really starting to see some teams that, that have one or two, maybe three in the circle that can get a job done like we're going to see tonight with Florida. And so you got to make your adjustments early and kind of have short-term memory. Um, you know, what you've built up so far has been great, trust it I think that's the big thing we always talk about is trust it and make sure that we rest properly uh, this is a time of year and you're playing a 60 game schedule and you're getting into this time of season, your rest and preparation is way more important than going out there and thinking you're going to find your skills because you've already hounded your skills now it's just trusting it and, and preparing yourself for the, the moment
0: Alright coach, we'll let you go on this and I want, I want the truth here on this because yep. uh, I know in baseball we've got plenty of superstitious types and i imagine that carries over to softball <laughs> it so <sure> does. <laughs> you or your players uh and if you don't want to name them by name just tell us the superstition is there anybody that doesn't touch the white line do they have to put their right shoe on first are they always eating the same pre-game meal i mean what do you got is, is this an idiosync <laughs> uh, i mean uh, are there idiosyncrasies across the team here
4: yeah there are you know we all don't really talk about them but we have them i have to use the same pen from a hotel you know when i'm writing the lineup i mean there's just stupid stuff that we do and i don't know why baseball and softball are so into it but we are big softball god fans uh you know we pray to the softball gods quite a bit and one thing we do is when we're struggling we pick up trash you know we're good to the world so we make sure if we can find some trash to get out of base hit or something that we need so that that's kind of a big thing for us in the dugout
0: see i knew there'd be a good answer and by the way marriott's online too they'd like their pen back
4: yeah i know right <laughs> <laughs> for me i can't
0: <laughs> all right hey coach best of luck tonight and the rest of the year uh congratulations on the success and continued success to you and your team Oh, thank you so much. You guys have a great day. Thanks, coach. All right, Elani Alameda. See, if you ask a baseball or softball type, you know there's going to be a superstition. And that was just the that was, you know, the the tip of the iceberg there. There's probably 4,000 more. Well, you've picked all the things you want to fix about baseball. I have one thing I want to fix about softball. The floor
1: is yours. I, I, appropriately, a lot of the late young ladies have begun wearing the face mask and everything. Those are the ugliest face masks i've ever seen we not i'm not saying we got to pretty them up to make them attractive but they they need a little style they need a a wing on the side aerodynamics yeah just something different they're stark and
0: they're they're we got to show some personality with them things on the upside you know how long a softball game takes it is short. Two hours. <laughs> two hours. You can play two in the same time you play one college baseball game. You and I have done that before. We have. We have televised a doubleheader before. We have. All right, we'll take a break, come back, wrap up on the front row right after this.
2: We don't need no education. We don't need no control. The Front Row is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener. Two locations to choose from, 1110 Stuckey Avenue and 3269 Crawfordville Highway. Call them at 580-1200 or online at ctf.nu. Now, here's Tom and Keith. I don't want uh, Coach Alameda to feel
0: uh, like she's the only one out there. I, I confess that I, too, have swiped a pen or two in my day. From hotel, do do you know what the statute of limitations
1: is in various states? Because you may have just
0: well. I was in a hotel last Friday night, and I'm pretty sure it hasn't passed yet. You, you better start <laughs> pleading the fifth. <laughs> <laughs> oh man,
2: good, my, my, good show
1: today. Busy week. My craziest hotel story is we were down at the NCAA tournament. And they had the, the the mini bar in the hotel room. And then on the top.
0: Go figure. Your craziest hotel story involves the mini bar. Well, I,
1: I didn't touch anything in the mini bar. That, that's not the point. But on the top, they had, you know, some canned peanuts and they, and they had a candle. I didn't know what it was. So I picked it up to look at it and, and determined it was a candle. And then I put it back. And when I go to check out, they charged me for it because they thought I took it. <laughs> Because it had the little spring thing underneath. If you pick it up, it charges you. I, I just picked it up to look at it. <laughs> I had had to talk my way out of a candle when I checked out.
0: You know, when I was uh, younger, we were on a family vacation and we stayed somewhere. It was like the first time my parents had ever seen the in-room... Fridge mini bar, so they just thought it was complimentary. So we're having the candy, doing whatever, and you know, you go to check out, and that's like an extra forty two dollars. This is the seventies or eighties or something.
1: All right, well let's trans. We got a couple of minutes left. You and I had the opportunity, the privilege to uh, attend the meeting Monday night in Tallahassee, in which the uh, local Fellowship of Christian Athletes uh, honored coach bobby bowden for his uh, work with fca and his commitment to fca uh we were also honored to have some of our sponsors with us sammy dixon from uh, prime Meridian bank and bob hobson from hobson chevrolet joined us and and um it was just a thank you to coach bowden for all the the things that he's done on behalf of
0: fca and a very moving uh experience very very neat meeting yeah it was really good there were a lot of former knowles in attendance several of them spoke uh, dexter carter spoke kez mccorvey Casey Weldon was there. Uh Mickey Andrews was probably the the biggest winner there. He, he ended, ended up being the keynote. <laughs> he ended up being the keynote. But uh, yeah, it was good, and good to see Brad Scott, former FSU offense coordinator, was in attendance. Well, at and George and,
1: Henshaw came, and Jim Gladden came, and uh, Billy well, Sexton and was there. Yeah, uh, Jimbo, Odell Jimbo was there. Odell was the Jimbo came Jimbo and spoke. spoke Miss yeah. Sue was there, Coach Sue rather. Miss Sue and Coach Sue were there.
0: Uh, Mike Martin '11 was there. I mean, it it was a pretty all star turnout. Yeah, it was it was a good event. Appreciate the uh, invite on that. Uh, our work here is done. As usual, Keith, I do feel better than where we began. Well, we'll spend the rest of the summer
1: dissecting the offensive line issues and maybe occasionally pour in an idea or two about
0: how to shorten up the college baseball game. And play jamborees in college football. It's going to be a therapeutic. And get better batting gear and and uh, or gear in general for softball. It's going to be a therapeutic summer for Mr. Tom Block. All right, we're done. We'll talk to you again next week. Have a great week, everybody.